You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. believing God's Word and then acting upon it. Our faith is based on what God has said and what God has accomplished on the cross through Jesus Christ. That's what our faith is based on. And these are not fairy tales. These are not made-up events. These are truth because the Bible is more true now than it ever been because it's continually being proven true, constantly being proven true. Our true joy is so much more than a feeling. Our true joy goes so much deeper than that. What brings you joy? It's in our human nature to seek joy and happiness, but there's only one place to find it that will never let you down. In today's message, Pastor Dave shows you that studying the Word of God is the only way to know and take advantage of the immovable joy that you've been given. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of Nehemiah chapter 8 as he continues his message, Hail, hail, the gang's all here. The word understanding is mentioned six times in this chapter. Notice that only those who could understand the scriptures were permitted in the assembly. What does that tell you? That tells you that we need a children's ministry. People think, well, you hate kids, you don't want them in the sanctuary. No, we love children. We absolutely love them, but they need to learn at their level. They need to learn at their level in Sunday school classes with Sunday school teachers who love the Lord. You read it right here, of those who could understand. A child sitting here can't understand what we're talking about. When I get into the book of Revelation, I have trouble understanding what we're talking about, let alone a young child. But we love children. We love them dearly. We hold them esteem. And Jesus loved the little kids. Jesus loved those little ones. But they need to be taught at their level of understanding. So you see here is a great example of needing a children's ministry. Only those who could understand were in this assembly. So they taught the word of God was read. Jesus in Matthew 13 emphasized understanding the word of God was compared to planting a seed. Remember the parable of the sower? He talked about understanding the word of God. And remember, Ezra is the scribe. He's perfect for this job. And it's interesting that they chose the water gate for the site of the assembly. What's interesting about it, in the Bible, water for washing is a picture of the Word of God, while water for drinking is a picture of the Holy Spirit. When we apply the water of the Word to our lives, then the Spirit can work and bring the help needed. It is most refreshing to the soul when you receive the Word and allow the Holy Spirit then to teach you. I love that. Take a minute, if you want, or I'll turn there for you, in Psalm 119, in Psalm 119, In verse 9, it says, How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word, O Lord. Your word, O Lord. Ezra brought the book of the law. Let's look at verses 1 and 4, and we'll go back and talk about them. Verses 1 through 4. 
Go back to chapter 8. Now all the people gathered together as one man. I love that. They came in unity. They came as one. They came as one person and presented themselves to the Lord as one. That's what we do when we worship. We present ourselves as one, one body, his body, and we worship that way. They were in the open square that was in front of the water gate, and they told Ezra, the scribe, to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the book of the law before the assembly of the men and all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. And then he read it in the open square that was in the front of the water gate from morning until midday before the men and women, those who could understand, and the ears of the people were attentive to the book of the law. So Ezra the scribe stood on a platform of wood. Yeah, stood on a platform of wood above the people. Interesting, I don't know. Stood on a platform of wood. It was made for that purpose. And he had the men around him, basically his elders. It was the first day of the seventh month, the Jewish equivalent of the New Year's. Now you know that the New Year's is extremely important for them. It's a perfect time for the nation to get right with God. Of course, my book, Anytime is a good time to get right with God. Anytime is the right way. But this was basically a new beginning for the nation of Israel. This was a new time for them. They had come out of captivity for those 70 years. And now it's been almost 100 years since they've been back in the land. And the glorious holy city has been restored. And the temple, is, all its glory is there. They needed to get right with God. They needed to get back in touch with God. And the best way that they could do that was through his word. The best way they could do it is through us. So Ezra brought the book of the law, probably the Torah. What does the Torah consist of? First five books of the Bible. First five books of the Bible. It's called the Pentateuch, the law, the law of Moses. Maybe they had more. Maybe they had more. I don't know. Maybe they didn't. If you remember when we watched The Chosen, Jesus went into that synagogue, and that's all they had were the first five books of the Bible at that one synagogue. Maybe that's all they could round up. I don't know. But more importantly, these five books of the Bible are the foundation of the Jewish religion and their civil law. These five books were extremely important to the Jews. So Ezra stands on this wooden platform, and he begins to read the word. And 13 people stood around him, probably leaders of each tribe. And he reads from the book from morning to midday. That was one heck of a study. From morning to midday. I don't know what time the morning was, but they didn't finish till midday. I don't know. And it says the people's ears were attentive. The people's ears were attentive. And look what happens in five and six. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. Then all the people answered, Amen and Amen, while lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. I love this. This is so cool. He opened the book for all to see. Every Sunday morning, I stand here with my Bible here, and I open it up to read. I'm trying to follow what Nehemiah did and Ezra did. I'm opening it up before everybody to see. I have a book in my hand. You know what the book is. It's not Mickey Mouse's adventures. It's the Bible. And I have it here for you to see. There's a purpose for that. There is a purpose for that. So I read from the Bible. I know a lot of pastors, and I'm not coming down on the pastors that do this. It's just not my style. Who use an iPad? Oh, they use something about that. I like to hold the Bible in my hand. I like to hold the Bible in my hand when I read it. 
all right? I use an iPad at home. I use a computer all the time. Yes, I do. But when I'm here, I want you to see me reading the Bible. It's important. That's what Ezra was doing in this time. I love that. They stood when they heard the word of God. Um, I come from Calvary Chapel Vinan, which was my home church for a long time with Pastor Frank Capolito. And when he cuts before them, he'll say, the scripture's going to be Nehemiah 1 through 8. Please stand. And everybody stands, and he reads the word while they're standing. Comes right from this, right from this thing. We don't practice that usually here. In fact, one time a while back, one time a while back, we had our worship service and everything, and everything was right, and I came up here, and I think we were in the Gospel of John. I'm not sure, but we were in the Gospel of John. I said, okay, we're going to read the Gospel of John. Please stand. Everybody turned around and looked at each other like, what? This guy nuts? What? But anyhow, it's okay. That's all right. We don't do that. But don't be surprised if one of these days I'm going to ask you to, but that's okay. That's all right. But that's where it comes from. I was trying to say it comes from here. It comes from here. Ezra read the word, and they stood up. Why? Respect, reverence, absolutely. Respect and reverence for the word of God. Respect and reverence for the word of God because it's the word of God. The word of God is special. It was special. And he read directly from the scroll the word of God. It wasn't his word. It wasn't the word of man. It was the word of God. How do you receive the word of God? How do you receive it when it comes to you? Do you look at it? How do you treat the word of God? I know someone who won't even put their Bible on the floor. That's what they feel like. How do you treat the word of God? And I love it. One of my favorite passages is 1 Thessalonians in chapter 2. And Paul tells the Thessalonians how noble they were and how great they were and how much good they did and how they treated the word of God. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, in verse 13, Paul says this, For this reason we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as in the truth the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. You have to receive the word of God by faith, and then it works in you. How do you receive the word of God? If you deny it, if you rebuke it, if you grieve it, you won't receive the word of God. How do you receive it? By faith, absolutely. You receive it by faith. You say, yes, Lord. That's why everybody here is saying amen. Amen means so be it. I believe. I agree. When we're in a prayer group and we say amen, it means I'm agreeing with your prayer. I'm agreeing with your prayer. He opened it up, and they all blessed the Lord, the great God, a blessing and praise time in a beautiful thing. When Paul was writing to his beloved Timothy in the faith, his beloved son, he says this in chapter 4, verse 13. He says, Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine. He's telling Timothy to preach the word. Give heed, give time to reading, exhortation, and doctrine. Read the word of God to your congregation. Read the word of God to those who are sitting before you to hear. And then they worshiped. Then they worshiped. I love the fact that they worshiped. What a beautiful thing. They worshiped God. They lifted up their hands and listen, and they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord, their faces to the ground. They were in one accord and they bowed their hearts before the Lord and they raised their hands and they praised God and they did those kind of things. I remember when I first got saved, being in church, and somebody raised their hand. I went, oh, 
kind of weird to me. I didn't realize what they were doing. It's got, oh, guy raised, what's he raising his hand for? What's going on there? But it's showing beauty and respect and all to God. And now it's just easy when you're worshiping, all of a sudden your hands just come up. You know? Some people give it the one hand shot. Some people give it the two hand shot. Some people give it this shot. It don't matter. Where's your heart? Where's your heart? I'm not, if you don't raise your hand, where's your heart? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. If you want to raise your hand, you raise your hands. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that's what they did here. That's what they did. They raised their hands. Then in verses 7 and 8, the men went around and they gave the people understanding. They taught the word. They gave the people understanding. They explained what was being said. Look at 7 and 8. Also, Joshua, Benai, Sherebiah, and all those guys helped the people to understand the law. And the people stood in their place. So they read distinctly from the book of the law. And they gave the sense and helped them to understand the meaning. That's what we do here. We give the word of God. And then we explain it and help give it meaning. So that you can receive it and know what God is saying. I like to use a good method. It uses three things. It's observation. It's interpretation. And it's application. Observation is the who, what, why, where, when. Who's speaking? Where are they speaking? In what context is it being said? And what was that? Then you interpret it. What is it being said? The scriptures interpret themselves. What's being said? And then how do I apply it to my life? Because I think one of the most important things about the word of God is applying it to my life and helping you apply it to your life. We know that when we read the word of God, it talks about conviction. It talks about sin. It talks about getting right with God. And here you see the people rejoicing. Look at 9 through 12. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, Ezra the priest and the scribe of the Levites, who taught his people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Wow. I'll stop right there. Why did they weep? Why did they weep when they heard the law? Conviction. Conviction. The word of God is convicting. It convicted their hearts. The law can't save you, but the law can convict you and convince you that you need a savior. The law cannot save. Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared, for this is the holy day of our Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites quieted all the people saying, be still for the day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and to drink and to send portions and rejoice greatly because they understood the words that were declared to them. So they went their way and they started to apply the word of God. The first thing they tell them to do, did anybody catch that? Go eat and drink. Oh yeah. And by the way, take portions for those that don't have. Take some portions for those that don't have a lot and share. Share with them. When the word of God comes forth, it brings conviction. What does conviction lead to? Repentance. Conviction leads to repentance. And what does repentance lead to, according to our word here? Joy. When you repent of your sin and when your sin is removed from your being, there's joy. You're so excited because you've been freed from the sin that you've carried around for so long. This weight, this horrible thing. The same word of God that wounded your soul heals your soul. I read that and I like that. Because the word of God will wound your soul. It'll convict you right down to the quick. 
But then you read on, and it is like a salve to your soul, like a salve that you put on, and it just makes you feel so great when you read about a loving and a gracious God who spared not his own son for you, for me, for the world. And you read about that, and it becomes so cool. Look at the progression one more time. Conviction leading to repentance. Repentance leading to cleansing, leading to rejoicing and celebration. What a great thing. What a great testimony. What's the secret of Christian joy? The secret of Christian joy is believing God's word and then acting upon it. Our faith is based on what God has said and what God has accomplished on the cross through Jesus Christ. That's what our faith is based on. And these are not fairy tales. These are not made-up events. These are truth because the Bible is more true now than it ever been because it's continually being proven true, constantly being proven true. Our true joy is so much more than a feeling. Our true joy goes so much deeper than that. And we need to realize that. So we must read the word, we must receive the word, and then we must rejoice in the word. In Psalm 119 again. By the way, if you haven't read Psalm 119, it speaks continually about the word of God. Every single paragraph has different descriptions of the word of God in it. But in Psalm 119, in verse 162, I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. Oh, I love that. I love that because, you know, there are times when I'm reading God's word that all of a sudden a little treasure pops out at me. And if you've heard me or the guys doing the devos, I always talk about a snippet of God's word or a nugget of God's word because that's all you need sometimes to get through the day. It's just that little nugget of God's word to get you on your way, to give you the hope, to give you the strength and the power to move forward. That little nugget, that little snippet. I love that. Great treasures are hidden in God's word. And as we read through God's word, I pray that we become diggers of the truth. That we dig up those hidden treasures and then we begin to rejoice as we see them. The more treasures we find, the more you're going to want to read. And the more you're going to want to rejoice. Do you delight in God's word? Do you delight in God's word? Is it better for you than food? Oh, Dave. Wait a minute, now you're going too far. I think I told you this story before, but we used to go on a retreat with the guys, and we would sit around, about 30 of us, and we'd worship and worship and worship and study God's word, and we would be just so in the spirit, so in God's word, that somebody said, it's time for lunch, and we go, oh, we don't want to eat. We want to stay here in God's word. We want to just revel in God's word. Do you delight in God's word better than food? Is it better than sleep? Sometimes God wakes me up early, early in the morning because he has something he wants to say to me. Sometimes I fight with him. I'm not getting out of bed. Oh, yes, you are. Get out of bed. I got to talk to you. And he keeps hounding on me until I get out of bed. Then I get out of bed and I sit there and open up his word and all of a sudden, wow. He just overwhelms me when I'm obedient to do what he's called me to do and get out of bed. His word is better than sleep. Is God's word more important to you than wealth? Is it more important to you than all the riches in the world? Oh, yes. God's word is so good to us. It's so beautiful to us. When you delight yourself in God's word, God delights in you, and then he gives you the desires of your heart. Here at Calvary Chapel, we delight in God's word. 
We love God's word. We love to read it. We love to study it. We love to teach it. We love to preach it. We love everything about God's word. We love it. Why do we go line by line, verse upon verse? Why do we go from Genesis to Revelation and all the books in between? Why do we do that? When Paul met with the Ephesian elders in Acts 20, when Paul met with the Ephesian elders, what a great, great, great read. What a beautiful read. It just touches my heart. It begins in verse 17, and it goes all the way through the rest of the chapter. When Paul met with the Ephesian elders, he knew he would never see them again, and they knew they would never see them again. He knew he was going to Rome, and everybody that he met had told him that once he gets to Rome, he would be killed. So they knew that this was it. But Paul talks to them. He talks about them, and he says to this, he says in verse 27 of Acts 20, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Ladies and gentlemen, that's why we do it at Calvary Chapel, from Genesis to Revelation, so you get the whole counsel of God. Because you don't need me to take little things out of here and just teach on them. You don't need me to open up the paper and read, oh, look what's happening, let's teach on that. You need this. This is exactly what you need, the whole counsel of God. Because in there is everything you will need. Even Christian bookstores are filled with self-help books. They're filled with how to do this, how to do that, how to whatever, all that kind of stuff. This is the greatest self-help book that was ever made, ever written, because it's God's word. And we esteem it here in Calvary Chapel, and we love it here at Calvary Chapel. We teach it, we preach it from cover to cover, from Genesis to Revelation, and that's what it's about. And I see Nehemiah gathering them together at the water gate, gathering them there together. And I see Ezra standing on a platform and reading. And he's reading through. And I'm reading right now, and I just happen to be in Exodus and talking about the making of the tabernacle. And there's some tough reads there. There's a lot of different information there, and I'm looking, reading it. But he's reading through the entire five books here, and he's reading them. And people are going through the crowd, helping others to understand God's word so that they know what God wants of them. And that's what we do here, Cal. That's why it's so important. That's why we have a Bible study. That's why we look so much for God's word. That's why we always read each scripture that we can read. So I love Nehemiah, and I love the example we have of teaching his word. And I hope that you love God's word, and I hope that you will love God's word and that you spend time in it on a daily basis that you read. And if you don't understand it, ask the Holy Spirit. Men penned it, but the Holy Spirit gave them inspiration. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you and then sit and wait and let God open up beautiful treasures to you. Treasures that you never thought possible. Treasures that you never thought were even available to you. God wants to teach you. He wants to show you so many things. We've just scratched the surface. Be a reader of God's Word, and then be a doer of God's Word. Then be a doer of God's Word. After you've read it, after you've let it sink into your body, be a doer of God's Word. You are Nehemiah 2, 17-18 says, 
Then I said to them, You see the trouble we are in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned? Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem, that we may no longer suffer derision. And I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good, and also the words that the king had spoken to me. And they said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. When Nehemiah wanted to motivate and encourage people to enter into the work of God, he didn't only tell them about the great need in front of them, he also told them of the work God had already been doing. Do you see something that needs doing, that you'd like to bring others along to do the work with you? Pray and step into the work, and when God begins to move in great ways, showcase that for the world to see. You'll find that others want to jump in the work God is already doing, but it does take a person to lead the charge. If you're seeing the need today, that person is you. Thanks for joining us today on A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank. Pastor Dave is making his way through the rich book of Nehemiah, and you don't want to miss a moment of it. One way to be sure you can catch it all is to head over to assurehoperadio.com. Once there, you'll find all the ways you can stay up to date with the current series or go back and revisit another one. Once again, that website is assurehoperadio.com. Well, that's all we have for today. We'll be back with more in the book of Nehemiah next time on A Sure Hope.